Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. It's good to be with you guys again here this morning. Um, we will continue. This is not the end. How many of you have asked that question? Anybody in the room has like been in certain like situations or in moments in your life where you go, maybe this is my end. This is it. Maybe I'm done. Anybody ever asked that? I got to be honest with you guys. The season for me, I've had, I've asked that question a few times. I've asked that question. I need to put this somewhere. I've asked that question a few times. Um, as I've mentioned the last time I was up here, it, it got complicated for a little season there. It got a little shaky. And I'm still, if I'm going to be 100% honest, I'm still journeying it. Journeying, journeying it. Um, this morning was one of those days where, like, some, sometimes you're just, like, you wake up and you feel arrested by a thought, feel arrested by these, like, emotions. Is it just me? Anybody else feel that way? So we're going to start with prayer. Because, like I said the last time I was here, I don't believe in a faith that is all talk and no action. I don't believe in a faith that works for everybody else but doesn't work for me, right? It has to work when we need it to work. And not that God has to do what you want him to do, no. But his promises have to be real. And he's given us promises. And he is faithful to um, accomplish that which he's, you know, he told us he would do. So let's pray and let's talk about this not being the end for us. Amen? So, Lord, we come into your presence this morning knowing that you are faithful It is not about us. It is about you. It is about what you've already done, the price you've already paid. And it is about living this life according to your way, your will, the what you have in store for us. Your word says that you have already predetermined works for us to do. That means that you have assignments. That means there are things we need to accomplish, God. And you know what? If If there's still breath in our lungs, it is not the end. God, I pray this morning that you would strengthen us from the inside out. I pray, Father, that these words, that as we learn and as we dig deep into your word, that they would become like um, a seed in our heart that would bear fruit and it would become, Father, glory to your name. I thank you, Jesus, that our lives would shine brightly in this dark world. That, Father, your presence would go before us, making room for what it is that you have in store for all of us, God. We thank you this morning for your words, not my will, but your will be done. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So part two, um, I've entitled this message, Proven Character. We are um, on a series out of Romans 5, verses 1 through 4. And last week, J.D. talked about the joy of suffering. I don't know if all of you cringed when he said that, because I did. It was like, joy and suffering please explain. And he did. He elaborated on what that means. And so I encourage you, if you were not here or, um, you know, if you don't remember it, go back and listen to the message. He also elaborated on endurance and what does that mean. So today, if, if we continue the analogy of a marathon, which he started last week, being in a marathon, today is mile 18. Anybody ever ran a marathon or watched somebody run a marathon? You know mile 18, where you've gone past the middle, but you're not close to the end. You can't see the finish line yet. That mile is the suckiest mile I hear because I haven't ran it. 
But I hear that mile 18 is the mile when everybody goes, why did I sign up for this? The 18 to 20, see, stand corrected. Somebody who's actually done it. I'm, I'm just by word of mouth. That, those miles, 18 to 20, is the hardest one. So today, if we, we're talking about mile 18, it's like 106 degrees in Houston weather. That kind of feeling. You know that feeling? Anybody ever been to like the hum- most humid city ever? 106 degrees, you're like, <laughs> like the moment you step outside. Or for those coffee lovers, it's the taste of a three-day-old coffee that stood in the pot burning. Uh, some coffee people, you know, you know that taste. <laughs> this is that. When you talk about endurance, nobody likes that word. Nobody likes the word endurance. Nobody likes to persevere. I mean, nobody li- it's not something you enjoy. Okay, it's not something that's like, I just want to endure today. (laughs) No, but it produces something in us. It does something that we do very much need. So let's open Romans 5. If you have your Bible, your shiny one or your paper one or just look on the screen. Um, Romans 5, verse 1 through 4. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have all obtained access by faith into grace, into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. <clears throat> we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, who has been given to us. So today, the part that we focus on is endurance produces character. Everybody say, endurance produces character. Yeah, let's see. I didn't see the joy in that. Endurance produces character. Yay! See, the Greek word here for character is dokime. And if anybody speaks Greek, I'm sorry, I might have butchered it. But dokime is the word. And dokime means proven character. Dokime refers to a person who has successfully, 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 successfully sustained the fiery test. A person who has successfully sustained the fiery test. Friends, the reality is this. We're all going to go through trials. We're all going to go through tests. It's important to know that these trials and tests, though, are not here to end us. They're not here to take us out. They are a test of our faith. And a tested faith is a strong faith. A tested faith is good for you and for me. God is not out to get us. He's not, this is not coming at us to take us out. It's much like a marriage. If you've been married for a while, you know that your marriage bond gets stronger when you go through things together. Not when you attack each other when you're going through things, but when you decide that you're going to stand side by side and you're going to face the adversity, you're going to face whatever's coming at you, at the end of that, your marriage is stronger. When you're under fire together, you know that on the other side of it, your marriage is stronger. I mean, we know this. J.D. and I have gone through several moments in our marriage. We've been married for 20 years where you got financial issues. Let's stand together, hunker down, let's figure out how to do this. Or you're going through, you know, you're having children, and children take everything, everything you have. And you're like, let's hunker down, stay together. These kids are not going to take us over. 
You know, like when you're together and you stand together, you know that on the other side, you are better for it. Um, the same is true for your walk with Jesus. What you believe and how you react in times of adversity is a real picture of your faith. It's easy to love Jesus when everything is good. It's easy to stand in your, you know, your Christianity and like, oh, I, everything is going my way and God is answering every prayer and everything is good. It feels like he's 100% like right here next to me. It's much easier to stand in your faith when things look like that than when you're going through a trial. But we're not the only ones that, went through, through, that go through trial. I mean, we have, we have in scriptures story after story after story of God showing up and, and people going through things. And they should um, be an example to us and to how to behave when these things come at us. So today we're going to focus on the story found in Daniel 3. So if you have your Bible, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to give you a little context and then read some big chunks. Um, but in Daniel 3, we find King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, he was a ruler at the time, a very powerful ruler. Like, think of somebody like an emperor. He ruled over all the people. He had all authority. And so he had created this image made of gold, this big statue made of gold. And he declared to all the people that he was over, which was very extensive, that everybody, when they heard the sound of bunch of instruments he lists them all lyre and and harp and pipe and all kinds of so when you hear this sound i want you to bow before this gold statue that i'm setting up this basically he's saying i'm giving you a god and you need to bow before it right so he told all the people you have to do it and if you don't do it i'm gonna burn you up so i mean this is a real threat of life real threat that people were facing if they didn't bow to the statue they were going to die and so he put out this decree, and he made everybody do it. And then when the decree was out and the, the, you know, the sounds all went on, some, some people noticed that there were these three Jewish men that were not bowing, and they went to report to the king. It's like, these three guys are not bowing before your statue. They are going against your decree. What are you going to do, basically, right? So this is where we pick up Daniel 3, verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither. Anybody know what a zither is? I don't. Uh, Lyric, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whomever does not fall down and worship be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there were some Jews whom have whom you have set over the affairs of province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Parentheses for a second. Do you see that? It's interesting to me how sometimes you're doing the right thing and then people will just come against you and you're like... It's just, it's just so interesting that you have these little, like tattletales that will come and come against you and you're doing the right thing and they will rise up against you. Just notice that. that even when you're doing the right thing. Then furious with rage, go back. King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, 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 I can't say, <coughs> harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, <clears throat> if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God, <clears throat> then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Amazing. I mean, the boldness. Think about this. See, think about this for a moment because most of us will never have to face this kind of persecution. Most of us living in the U.S. will never have to face the either bow to this image or I will kill you situation. But there are people all around the world, and we know this, in the Middle East, in China, in different countries, in Iran, that the, um, the organization we support is in this, these countries where people are literally dying for their faith, right? If you don't believe, if you, if you don't do what we say, if you try to worship this God, if you, ha if you have a Bible, you actually are persecuted for that. Thank you. Thank you. You actually are persecuted for your faith, right? Now, we have been afforded the freedoms that many do not have in the world. We live in a country founded on Christian <laughs> We live in a country founded with Christian principles. These principles, however, we know this, are slowly dimming daily. We are bombarded daily with ideals, with antichrist ideologies. I mean, you can think of this daily images, daily news articles, daily people wanting you to go against what you believe. People wanting you to bow to the God of money, to the God of promiscuity, to the God of rebellion. People wanting you daily to say things that makes them feel better, but goes entirely against what you believe and what Christ has told us to be true, right? Daily, we get these little, it's not, maybe it's not a massive persecution, but it's a small daily bombardment of your mind trying to make you... Um, please them or please the enemy or live for something that is not true to you. We are asked to deny God and his word because it hurts someone else's feeling almost daily now. Anybody else have that? See, every believer will face the test of their character. Will we be approved? Will we, be, will we come out approved on the end? Will we endure and persevere in our faith and our belief and come out approved in the end. Now, why does that matter? Think about it for a moment. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that my character be proven? Why does it matter if I endure? If, if this gospel is not all grace, isn't it all grace? Like God has paid everything for me and I have all the grace and I don't need to, you know, do anything? No, it matters. It matters for you and it matters to God. And I'm going to give you three reasons 
this morning. Three things that happen when dokime, right? When we're dok, I don't know if there's a past, dokimed? <laughs> Greek doesn't work like English, right? But when dokime <laughs> happens, when we, en- when we endure under trial and our character is proven, there are three things that I found that happen. If you're taking notes, oh, the app there, uh, you can go in our app and take notes there too. One thing that happens is our faith becomes authentic. Under trials and sufferings, under tests, under persecution, under, under situations, we have to dig deep and realize what kind of faith we have. Our faith has to become authentic. What we believe has to become authentic. It's like I told you the last time um, I was up here that it has to be true to me. It has to be true. It has to, it has to make sense to me. It has to work for me. So in trials and sufferings, our faith has to, has to grow um, from, from being a, a baby, a toddler, into an adult, right? It has to develop. It has to grow. And it has to become authentic. When we go through these things, we are, like, we have proof. We develop proof in us that what we believe is true. It's easy to be believers when things are going well. But what do you do when you come face to face with pain? What, how do you come out on the other end? How do you res- on the other end? How do you respond when adversity is coming at you? Do you dig your heels in and say, I believe what the word says? I believe this stuff that I'm reading and that I'm declaring every day? Or do you say, you know what? Things are not all going perfect. Maybe I should just try something else. The, the truth is that sometimes in our um, Western belief of God, we think he's a genie. We act as though, although we act as though he is a genie and not a God. We want him to answer us. We want him to give us stuff. We want him to provide. We want all the blessings, but we don't want to be tested. And we don't want to prove our love. And we don't want to dig in deep and say, Lord, I am with you. I want you. I want a relationship with you. And God is not a genie. And he's not into being a genie. I don't know if you've ever noticed. He's not into being a genie. He wants a relationship. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be a part of what's going on. He does have plans and good things in store for all of us. But that's not the point. The point is the relationship, the dynamic of walking with you. That's why he created Adam and Eve. When he created them, he would walk in the garden with them every day. Why? Because he wanted to be with them. And it's the same for us. God is not into just giving us stuff and saying, okay, now go off to college. Right? He wants to be with us. And so part of our faith being tested in these trials and in these suffering is, is the genuineness of our faith just it becomes genuine, right? It's the creating a genuine faith. The gospel becomes um, the reason, not a means to an end. Jesus becomes the reason we do everything, not to get things from him. See, God is not interested in the appearance of holiness. He is holy after your heart and a genuine love relationship with you. So suffering, we can rejoice in suffering. We can rejoice 
that it produces what? It produces an authentic faith in us. The other thing that endurance and, and trials produce in us is this character that is sanctified. Sanctification is a fancy word for God's standard of perfection. That's it. It's just the perfection that is in God. See, dokimi in secular Greek was used to describe metals that had been tested and been determined to be pure. The idea of dokimi is that when you put a metal through a fiery test, if it comes out on the other side persevering and enduring, you call the metal proven. You call it authentic. You call it genuine. And we know this, right? When gold is being formed into something, they put it in the fire and they let it heat up, heat up. The impurities rise to the top and then they clear those impurities out and then you fire it up again. It actually goes through that process a few times, right? Until it becomes pure gold to which we have our rings and our, you know, earrings and necklaces and all that. But it only becomes pure once it's been heated up and put through fire. See, when affliction is met with fortitude, resilience, perseverance, out of the battle emerges a stronger, purer, better you and me. When we come in contact with affliction, when we have to face things in our lives, we end up being purified much like gold. Those things that don't matter, those attentions, those thoughts, those things that we've been giving our time and dedication to that really don't matter. They're just causing us to be distracted, right? Those things tend to fall by the wayside. I mean, ask anybody that has gone through a life or death experience, life and death experience, that they've got, come face to face with their, with their humanity. Ask them, what did you think about? They will tell you, I thought about my loved ones. I thought about those things that matter. They're not going to tell you I thought about the next iPhone that was coming out, Right? They, they will tell you, I thought about my loved ones and how I want more time with them. Or I thought about the people that I've hurt that I really want to make amends with. Or I thought of, they, they, it comes back to the, the, the purity of what matters. And so when our character is proven, we come out pure. We come out with, with less distractions. We come out seeking to be to be holier to live the kind of life that we were designed to live to live uh, the kind of life that that brings other people joy that tells the people around us how much we love them we we change a proven character is genuine and pure we shed all those weak useless preconceptions of religion when you're going through trials, when you're facing things, you know that all those one-liners, God is blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. But you're not feeling that way, you know? All those one-liners that we hear all the time that just supposed to sound great and they make other people feel good, but they really don't mean anything to us, all of that falls by the wayside. All of that goes, you know what? I don't need the one-liners. I need the power of God. I don't need the, you know colloquialisms or the things that I don't need any of that I need Jesus and so this process of refining does that it makes us pure in our understanding of who God is and it makes us draw nearer to God much like these three men as they were going through fire they drew they turned to a God that said you know what king I don't have to answer to you I have to answer to my God 
And I know he is able. I know he is able to deliver us. And then look at, the, look at their faith. They say, even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. What does that mean? To be in the face of trials, in the face of the, I mean, in the, where your life it might be at stake. And you turn and you say, you know, I love the Lord so much. <coughs> that even if he doesn't deliver me, I will stick my ground. That is a purified faith. That is a faith that has been proven and tested. See, Christianity is counterculture. And following Jesus will cost you your fleshly desires. It will cost you going against the grain of society. It will cost you saying no when, you know, everybody's saying yes. It will cost you Instagram followers. <laughs> it will cost you. You know, following Jesus requires us to take a stand when we just want to blend in. It will cost us um, being liked. But I got to tell you, God is not a taker. He's a giver. And if we continue on the story, we will see what he does for us. But I want to give you the third point. The third thing that, um, that a proven character does is our character is transformed into the likeness of God. Remember in Genesis 1.26 where God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We were created in God's image, in his likeness, and we would walk with him daily. And then sin entered. Sin came, the fall came, and we were separate. We were torn apart from God, and now we're doing this walk on our own. And, and because we're doing on our own, we begin, we're sinning, and we're making mistakes, and we're missing the mark. And all of this is causing our character to be changed because character is something that is malleable, Right? And so daily, as we are separated from the presence of God, as we're separated from communing with him, and this happens to us, you know this, the, more, the farther away you are from God, the more you tend to do things that are not the best for you, right? The more you miss the mark, the more you sin. And the closer you are with God, the more aligned you are with his heart. And so as Adam and Eve, you know, uh, misaligned themselves with God, they began to sin, and make mistakes and do things that were not God's way and therefore hurt one another and hurt people. And we see this in the world today, that our world is filled with people hurting one another and not living as they were designed to live. But as we endure and as we persevere, we close the gap between us and God. As we endure and as we persevere, we, we reflect more the character of God. And we can see this. See, in, in Exodus 34, 6, God himself tells Moses what his character is like. He says, um, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
See, throughout Scripture, we find this, the, the character of God revealed many times. And this, this is one of the most quoted. It's, it's referenced over 20 times throughout Scripture. This character of God, you know, who God is. He is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. I mean, David says this three times in Psalms. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. And we know that this is the kind of person God wants us to be because we read the fruits of the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit of God, if we go into Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you see the resemblance of the two? So God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And what are we called to be? Filled with joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. See, it's the same thing. God is calling us to be much like who he is. He calls us to be like him, gracious, compassionate to a world that needs his light, to a world that needs us to represent him, right? And so as we persevere, our faith is developed, a character is developed, and the character of what? Of God on earth. God wants us to represent him, to be here on earth, to withstand trials, to withstand suffering at times so that we can reveal to the world who he is. During our trials, during our persecutions, we are being refined into the likeness of God. That's why we can say that it is a joy, because we are being transformed, because we are becoming more like God. We are we are leaving behind shallow, weak, circumstantial faith, and we're engaging in a deep, loving, faithful relationship with our maker. And that's why we can rejoice in sufferings a little bit, because we are being transformed and we are coming closer to God. Well, if these promises are not enough, right, you go, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I don't want to suffer. I understand what you're saying, but is there another way, right? The reality is no, there isn't, because we live in a broken world and in a fallen world that sin has entered, and we will go through trials. And here's the thing. You can go through trials on your own. You can face adversities by yourself, or you can face adversities with a loving, compassionate, gracious God who is slow to anger, who is abounding in love and faithfulness. You pick how you are going to go through trials. Because if you look out there, you see there is an entire world going through things. You are not, being a follower of Jesus does not exempt you from from trials. Being a follower of Jesus does not exempt you from suffering. It doesn't. But it guarantees you that you will not go through it alone. It guarantees you that your Father, your Maker, and your Savior will be with you all along the way. So if we pick up back in uh, the story of Daniel 3, we see this. Right from verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered a furnace heated seven times hotter. This is worse than Houston. Seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, 
were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men, when I, three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, Certainly, your master. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. What a picture. I mean, come on. Number one, not only were they thrown in the fire, like it got hot. <laughs> right? Things are hot, and sometimes they do. Sometimes you'll end up in the hospital. Sometimes you will have to face loss. Sometimes the pain is hot. And you're like, what do I do now? I want you to look around. The next time you find yourself in a place where you're suffering, where you're in pain, when you're trying to figure out, what do I do now? I want you to look around and find Jesus. This promise is that he will be there with you. He will not leave you. He will not leave you. He will not forsaken, forsake you. He's never left and he won't start now. So when you're going through trials, when you're going through, stand your ground and say, I know that you are with me, God. I know that you're with me. I am not alone. So look around and find him. Find Jesus with you. He will keep you. This is not your end. He will keep you from falling apart. He will keep you from burning. If you go on to read, and I do encourage you to read all of Daniel 3, it says that these guys came out of the fire and didn't even smell like smoke. Now, I have a fireplace. And if I'm just standing near my fireplace, I smell like smoke. But these guys came out of the fire and didn't even smell like smoke. See, when God is with you through whatever circumstance you face, you can come out on the other end. And you will come out better. You will come out stronger. Your faith will become out stronger. Your character will be proven. Right? You are, you are equipped and qualified to come out on the other end when, when Jesus is walking with you. Right? This is not your end. Whatever circumstance you are facing, whatever it is, whatever trial you might be going through, whatever comes ahead in days ahead, it is not your end. Look for God. Find him. Trust him. Rely on him. Proven character means us doing our part. Standing when we feel like choking. Right? Remaining when all odds are against us. Enduring when all we want to do is maybe grab the covers, cover it over our head, and say, not today. You know that song that says, not today, Satan? Okay. <laughs> Some days you want to say, not today, me. Right? Instead, get up and say, not today, Satan. Not today. Right? Endure and stand when you feel like it and when you don't. And you will realize that Jesus is right there with you. And he is all you need. I want to tell you this morning that if you endure, if you dare to endure, you won't do it alone. 
If you would dare to stand in the face of your current trials, God himself will walk it out with you. And he will make sure that this is not your end. Amen? Amen. We're going to close. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.